think about an issue or a party or a candidate to determine our theological persuasions. And I think if Jesus was here, first of all, I think that he would accept everybody, no matter which political party they associated with. And I got some conservative preacher friends that would struggle hearing me say that. And I got some liberal preaching friends that would struggle hearing me say that. is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I am joined on the phone line by Charlie Tuttle. He's a pastor and author, and his new book is called The Politics of Jesus. Charlie, are you there? I am, Taylor. It's good to be with you, and thanks for the invite to be on the show. It's great to have you on the show today. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. I tell you, I just absolutely love I just love life. So every day above ground is a good day. So it's all good. It is a good day. So I'm really fascinated by your book, The Politics of Jesus, that we've got here, Um, especially just like given the current political season and all that's going on. I know it's on a lot of people's minds and especially getting back to the Bible um, and looking at what Jesus said about politics. So can you kind of clue me in what relationship did Jesus and his disciples have with politics? Well, you know, I, I wrote the book because I did a little self-study, and I, for years, I, like most believers, assumed that, you know, the disciples and Jesus, they just all got along. They just had this little spiritual camaraderie. They were, were brothers in righteousness and had their little kumbaya moments <laughs> and, and all that. And as I began to study it out, I really began to see that the disciples jumped into this thing with a lot of political ambitions. In fact, if we pull aside our spiritual context of the Bible, and especially of the disciples that has somehow been passed down, and you start looking at the interaction Jesus has with the disciples, you realize the disciples really struggled with this whole thing. They they thought Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government. I mean, that's what all the prophecies were about as it related to Messiah. So as I read the scriptures and I look at it, I see where the disciples were very politically motivated. That's really interesting, especially bringing out the disciples' own political motivations regarding all of this. So do we see that manifest in any way in the ways that they interact with Jesus? Absolutely. So let let me go back into this. I was talking with a team member a couple of weeks ago, so let me start from the backside and go forward. Peter so misinterpreted this thing about being a fisher of men. (laughs) But when Jesus talks to him in John 21, he's like, hey, Peter, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and feed my lambs. In fact, nowhere does Jesus even mention fish with Peter, because (laughs) Peter didn't quite understand the context. And I think sometimes we we miss that. When you go back and you look at their, their political interaction, uh, you have to sort of know their story. And to me, this is one of the most intriguing things, because, you know, Peter and James, they're this small business, we probably call them small business Republicans in the context of American politics. Mm-hmm. They had boats, they had employees. Uh, Galilee was known for its anti-Rome sentiment. I mean, I, I sort of equate Galilee sort of being the, the Tennessee, Kentucky, the Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, you know, northern Florida, Georgia, all that area of the U.S. 
how they feel about Washington, D.C. That's sort of how Galilee felt about Rome. Okay. And so, so when you understand that, then you have somebody like Simon the Zealot, whose grandfather started the Zealot movement and was wrongly put to death to the point to where the Sanhedrin appealed to Rome that uh, Herod be investigated for killing Simon the Zealot's grandfather. We see in Acts chapter 5 where Simon's father was killed in a political uprising. Simon the Zealot, he's sort of like a, uh, I call him a, a, like a tea party guy. He's, he's strictly for the written law mm-hmm. and for the reestablishment of a strong Jewish, Jewish nation. So when Jesus said, you know, you've heard it said, Jesus was taking the oral teachings of, off of the law and going back to what was written in the law. Man, that was red meat. For Simon, then you have Matthew. Man, he's like a, a left-wing progressive. I mean, he was for big government. He was for Rome. Uh, there was a tremendous amount of tension between he and Simon. Uh, they were always arguing over who was the greatest. And uh, what was all that about? It was about the pecking order of a political establishment with the Messiah. When James and John went and asked for the top two positions. Jesus never rebuked them for their ambition. He just asked them if they were willing to pay the same price. And they were. And it, and it, the Bible states that the other ten were indignant. They were angry. So I think that a lot of the times these guys missed the spiritual context of Jesus because they so interpreted his actions through a political lens. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. And I think that that is really interesting to think about how they were blinded to, at times, what Jesus was really saying because they were filtering it through their own political worldview. And Absolutely. Then when, Absolutely. We, when we think about that then, so if we strip away the politics, which is a little easier for us to do not being in their time set when we're reading about what they were talking about, what can we say that Jesus was really trying to tell them? You know what? Here's what I think what Jesus was trying to tell him. And, and he said this. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Mm. And, and the bottom line is, he brought together this group of men that were basic politically, they were political dissidents. I mean, they, they really wanted to see something change politically in their world. And he brought them together, and even in, in Acts chapter 1, the very first question they ask after they all gather together is, at this time, are you going to restore the political kingdom to Israel? I mean, they, they're still on that track. And that's why I put in the, the book, Jesus didn't authorize an uprising, he authorized a, a prayer meeting. He said, you go back and you start praying and get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I think that where we're at, Taylor, right now is that the body of Christ is so messed up politically. And we, we're, we're so disenfranchised that we're allowing politics to interpret our theology. Mm. And we're allowing what we think about an issue or a party or a candidate to determine our theological persuasions. And I think if Jesus was here, first of all, I think that he would accept everybody, no matter which political party they associated with. And I got some conservative preacher friends that would struggle hearing me say that. And I got some liberal preaching friends that would struggle hearing me say that. Man, I pastor, I pastor in, in the Dallas metropolitan area. I mean, we got T.D. Jakes, you know, Mr. Get Ready, Get Ready, Get Ready. I mean, you know, you, you got T.D. Jakes here 
who is the ultimate icon for a, a religious democratic party. And then you have a, a, a Pastor Robert Morris. You have a, a Dr. Jack Graham at Preston Wood Baptist. These guys would be the ultimate icon of a conservative political stance. And yet they, they all claim the same Jesus. They all claim the same Lord. And you say, well, well, where's Jesus in the middle of that? His kingdom is not of this earth. And so I think there ha- we have to come back and realize that when Jesus selected the disciples, he was selecting a political composite that did not make sense in that current era, but would have great meaning to the future of the church. Mm. That's really powerful. So one thing that that has me thinking about then when you bring it up is that the disciples, despite having uh, being both very politically active, but also having very different worldviews from one one another about what politics should look like, they were still able to effectively work together in order to advance the body of Christ. In the same way, how can believers who maybe have very different political views um, during this time of year, and really all the time, how can they work together effectively to still advance the body of Christ? You know, that's a great question, and I'm asked that quite often. And I think you have to look at the higher principles, because the disciples didn't like each other. When you studied out, they did not get along. In fact, in John 21, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And, you know, if I were to ask you, you'd say, hey, you know, Taylor, who's the, who's the favorite disciple of Jesus? You'd say John. Well, why would you say John? Because John said he was. <laughs> John called himself the beloved. Nobody else called him that. If I said, well, well, who was the, the natural leader in the disciples? Most people say, well, Peter was. Well, John 21, he said, I'm going to go fishing, and only, only five people joined him. And so a total of six went, but one of them wasn't a disciple. The Scripture says that. So, so Peter's influence wasn't even 50% of the disciples. It's really interesting and, to think about it. And so when, when we put so much on the disciples, so here's how Jesus dealt with the disciples. Because I believe the disciples really didn't get along. Jesus said, he asked them to wash one another's feet. We never see in Scripture where they washed each other's feet again. I mean, it really took the work of the Holy Spirit to move them forward. But, but let me get back to your question. You, we have to go to the higher principles. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I'm, I'm telling you to love one another, because if you love one another, people will know you're my disciple. He didn't ask them to like each other, because they didn't, and they wouldn't. In fact, Jesus said, I call you friends, but he never looked at them and said, we're all friends. He didn't say that, because they weren't. So he went to the principle of fellowship instead of friendship. And I think that in order for the body of Christ to be able to stay together during these these politically catastrophic times, and that's where we're at, because this world's getting ready for an Antichrist. So you you got to understand how it's trailing. But, but here's the thing we have to do. We have to go to the higher principle and say, I may not uh, appreciate what your political stance is, but I can love you because you're my brother and sister in Christ. I may not agree with your stance in a certain political issue, but you know what? I can accept you in fellowship with you because you are my brother and my sister in Christ. We have to go to a higher level of discipleship 
And that's the level Jesus taught in the book of John. And he said, you got to love one another, you got to serve one another, you got to fellowship with one another. And you know what? I pastor a church that is, is multi-generational, it's multi-ethnic, it's multi-economic, and it's multi-political. I have, I have, I'm telling you, I have die-hard liberals, progressive liberals in my church, and I have Tea Party conservatives. And I have pastors in the area, and they ask me, they say, Charlie, how, how in the world do you do that? And I said, because we, we teach Jesus, we preach Jesus, we love Jesus. And I think that the easiest thing for a Pentecostal conservative to do is to interpret the Bible through their filter, or interpret politics through their filter of faith. Mm. Because here's what a liberal does. A liberal compartmentalizes, and they have their faith, and then they have politics, and they don't mix the two. And a conservative doesn't compartmentalize, they filter. They funnel and they filter. And so everything goes through that same filter. And I think we have to come back and realize that our political persuasions are only that. But our connection with Christ is because he's king of kings and lord of lords. And there's no perfect earthly government. It's not out there. And that's why Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. They said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, I don't claim them, and they don't claim me. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. Amen. And that's really cool, too, that just Jesus, Jesus, in the end, Jesus can bring together people who have huge differences between each other in worldview and ideology, because Jesus can unite everyone. Like, we can all get behind Jesus together. And I think focusing on that and coming together around Christ is really important. Uh, if people want to read more about this in your book, uh, where can they get a hold of it? You know, uh, they can order it right from Charisma Media. They can get it from Amazon.com. Uh, they can r- reach out to me. Um, my website is charlietuttle.org, and uh, they can buy the book there. Uh, I would just encourage people to order the book and read through it. I've got some incredible responses from people from uh, from my circle of relationships. And again, I want to go back to say that it's 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 very multifaceted politically. My my network, and so uh, I mean, some of my most liberal friends have contacted me and said this book has been amazing. And then some of my most conservative friends have contacted me and said, this book's been incredible, it's been powerful. I don't take credit for that. I feel like God gave me something for the body of Christ. He gave me a revelation, asked me to put it in print and get it out to people. And that's the whole goal of this book. And so the message is really about how God looks at, at things. And, and I deal with, with hot topics like identity politics, discrimination. We deal with uh, marriage. And, and talk about the, the template of, of now that, that, you know, gay marriage is in America. What does that look like? And, and also come back and deal with immigration. You know, one of the things people forget is immigration saved the life of Jesus. And I, I think it's very easy for us to miss the kingdom opportunities because of the political frustrations. And we've got to see through the lens of Jesus first. That's really the message of the book. That's really the message of Christ is we've got to look through his kingdom lens first. And there's so many believers that are, they've become politicized and polarized based upon political parties. 
it's it's got to quit. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Charlie, for coming on the show. Really appreciate hearing from you and hearing your heart today. Uh, I'm definitely going to check out the book myself. So would you mind praying us out? Absolutely. Thank you, Taylor. Father, we just give you thanks because we know that Jesus Christ is Lord over everything and over everyone. And Father, we pray for your body because your body is not just in America. It's literally around the world, and there are persecuted believers that are are surviving under dictatorships, and there's believers that are thriving under dictatorships. God, we have a tendency to think that everything revolves around politics when actually it revolves around you. And so I pray, God, peace to your body. We pray, God, that you would help people walk in wisdom and discernment, understanding. And, Lord, that people would not enter into relational alignment based upon political thought only, but that we would be kingdom-centered people. We'd be people of the cross. We'd be people who are disciples of Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Charlie Tuttle on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by the Evangelical Christian Credit Union. What you believe matters and what you value matters, so where you bank should matter too. At ECCU, every dollar you spend or save is supporting ministry like loans to churches and banking services for missionaries. Ask yourself, what does your current bank do with your money? If you don't know the answer or you don't like the answer, it might be time for a change. Visit www.eccu.org to see ECCU's competitive checking, savings, credit cards, and auto loans. That's eccu.org. Or call 1-800-634-ECCU to learn more about how your money can build ministry. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.